The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We've got a ton to get into. Some recruiting, some college football, and uh, the brilliance of one Brandon L. Vogel. How about Danny Burke? He is back from vacation. Saw him on TV earlier on VEASAN. He wasn't wearing a mask, so he's okay. Good for Danny Burke. Uh, loaded up. Can join us today at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Give us a find on Twitter and follow up uh, at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Barr. Get email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. NASCAR has spoken. Some final thoughts on the noose and the picture finally released on what the rope and garage hang down is by NASCAR, uh, by uh, a member of the media. And th- that ain't no garage door loop pull down, my friends. That's a freaking noose. Uh, so some thoughts on that coming up in about 30 minutes. Uh, recruiting with Greg Smith and 15. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will join us in one hour. So as we get ready for a hopeful college football season, I was looking around Twitter earlier, and I really enjoy some of the stuff Nicole Arbach does from The Athletic. And, you know, she has talked to some Power 5 folks out there and, They're wondering if it's time to push back the championship games. Some discussions floating out there. Uh, You have a number of uh, influential folks in the athletic world descending on the state capital of Jackson, Mississippi today to say, look, let's let's figure out this state flag. All right. And one of those was our friend, the pirate Mike Leach, who was with us last week. Pirate was in his best uh, sport coat. And uh, he's known Lane Kiffin a long time, and he may have seen the gif on Twitter where, you know, there's someone speaking, and then there's Leach grabbing Lane's mask and snapping him with it. It was too good. Now, the pirate had the, the mask pulled down a little bit, but he could see the grin going on. That was an image I thought was funny today. Good stuff from Dr. Petey. Derek Peterson had him on Monday. And I love talking about home games for Nebraska football. And it's either kind of feast or famine, the way the schedule is set up. And you never can really tell who's going to be good, who isn't, when things are scheduled out years in advance. And when it comes to the power index, biggest home games, what's the most important home games, 
what what kind of gets your Husker blood boiling and pumping. And for years, it was always Oklahoma and Colorado. And of course, uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State and Iowa are, are the new normal as we've been into the Big Ten for about a decade. And Derek put, you know, some great points together with his list, with his thoughts on power index, rank most important to least important. So I'll ask you, as you look at Nebraska's home schedule, as we talk late June 2020, assuming we get all of these in, what what is the most important game to you? What game do you want to be at? What game are you just, just jonesing to see? Uh, a Nebraska victory for? And the answer is, well, all of them, right? It'd be cool to have a, an undefeated home football season for 2020. We'll see if that can, can get achieved. And, and Nebraska's home schedule, while not super sexy, there's no Wisconsin, there's no Ohio State, there's no Iowa like last year. I mean, it was loaded. You do have some sneaky, really good games and some sneaky, important games and really, honestly, some some very telling games for Nebraska. Uh, and it, it comes in the form of the South Dakota states of the world and the Cincinnati's of the world. Nebraska's non-conference, while on paper, you can kind of step back and go, huh, that's going to be a difficult, challenging, tight ball game. You can absolutely say that about some of the non-conference games. It's not a wow Washington or it's not a UCLA. It's not a power five big dog or name program, but don't kid yourself. The South Dakota States of the world packs some punch as do Cincinnati and what Luke Fickle's done uh, his time there. So let's go through this index here. And, and Derek says, you know, number one power ranking power rating game uh, to him is the Minnesota game week 13 black Friday. And there's so much up for grabs with that football game because of, of where the Big Ten West race could be. A day later, it's Iowa, it's Wisconsin. Those have been the two front runners for the division. Minnesota had a great season last year. They faded down the stretch in November because of how their schedule was stacked. Uh, they went one and two. Uh, but these three games they had consecutively with Penn State at Iowa and then Wisconsin in Minneapolis – uh, Wisconsin was out for vengeance. Iowa defended home field in a tight ball game. And, and Minnesota's defense was incredible against a really good Penn State team in the red zone. Penn State's turnovers last year were, were their undoing. But that was your, your wow moment. That was your big win for Nebraska, or I should say for Minnesota last season. It kind of validated them. Can you take a big dog down from the east? Uh, the team in the Big Ten that's challenged and done better than about anybody against the Big Ten King, and that's Ohio State. So is Minnesota the the most important game? Is it the biggest game? You could you could argue that, and I don't pretend to to say that. Look, Nebraska is a program based on talent, based on recruiting, based on what we think Nebraska football should be, I don't think they should lose to Minnesota. They have lost to Minnesota. They've lost to Minnesota during the Jerry Kill era, and uh, P.J. Fleck smoked Nebraska last year. Nebraska also dismantled Minnesota two years ago. So Nebraska's a game under five hundred against Minnesota in the Big Ten era. 
So you could argue that Minnesota's there. Uh, second most important game per this list is Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to be ranked. Cincinnati's going to be a, a favorite group of five team along with Central Florida and Boise to find their way to a New Year's Day six. And uh, Cincinnati, listen, it wouldn't be a surprise if Nebraska lost to Cincinnati. That's still a game that you you, th- you think Nebraska should should win. Coming in at number three is Penn State. Penn State has national championship aspirations. They'll have a new offensive coordinator. They have a returning quarterback. They have an insanely talented defense. And they come to Lincoln. And it's been forever, man. It has been forever since Nebraska has played Penn State. Okay, Uh, they played Penn State back in 2017 and got annihilated. They absolutely got destroyed. It is what it is. You know how 2017 went. But overall, since the move to the Big Ten, Nebraska three and one against Penn State. And Bo had some really tough, well-fought, hard-fought wins against the Lions as they were kind of in the midst of turmoil till Bill O'Brien steadied them and James Franklin elevated them. So Penn State's right there. If I were to, I, I listen, I think Penn State's the, the biggest name, highest ranked, biggest dog on the schedule. So to me, that you, if, you, if you can win that game, if you play that game, and you get, a, you get a big victory over an East power, that from a national credibility standpoint says, all right, Nebraska's on the right track. They're pretty decent, and that's nothing you sneeze at, right? And Penn State has, aside from the loss at Minnesota last year, they don't lose, typically. They don't lose. They have found ways to sneak out of Iowa uh, the past couple of years. They've, they're under 500 against uh, an Ohio State team, but they, they've still beaten Ohio State. And you know what? They have done better than most against Michigan. And I don't see them in Wisconsin playing a lot. I know they'll play this year, but they beat Wisconsin. Listen, to me, the, the team that you have to beat and you're chasing is Wisconsin, okay? Uh, Iowa is your rival. Whether you accept that or not, it has gotten very tight, very close, and it's been excessively heartbreaking if you're Nebraska the last two years and you've been beaten the last five. So Wisconsin and Iowa are like 1 and 1A one to me. And I would put Penn State above – I would put Penn State above Cincinnati for sure because I still think Nebraska at home should beat a Cincinnati. I think Nebraska at home should beat a South Dakota State. And from a Minnesota standpoint, I know that it has West implications, but I think I think Penn State and Minnesota are, are pretty even. You want the national splash, and if you want to do uh, reasonable math, if you beat a Penn State, that means you maybe should beat a, a Minnesota, right? Because who's the who's the better better, more talented program. It, it's Penn State, hands down, and that's not a knock on Minnesota. And where do you factor in Purdue? I mean, there's there's emotional tags to each matchup. There's West race. There's national implications and credibility. And then there's just kind of true mirror looks at where's your program at when you take on two pretty good group of five teams. Nebraska's got their their, their toes stubbed more times than not against group of five schools. And we're not talking South Dakota State or Cincinnati. I'm talking Troy. Who else beat them? Troy got them and somebody else. Right? I mean... Was it Northern... 
Yeah. Northern yeah, Illinois. Yeah Northern, yeah, Northern Illinois and Troy. So Nebraska, you know, in Southern Miss, if you go back to the Callahan era. So <laughs> Nebraska has not been immune. And I forget the team that Amir put his Superman cape on against and, and won the thing. But Nickel State or McNeese State or one of the two, I forget. But the point is, is that was dangerous. So to me, if I'm ranking, okay, what's what's more bang for your buck? What's what's like the most important? I'm still going to put, give me a team that's ranked in the top five. Give me a team that's playing in New Year's Day. Give me a team that's vying for the Big Ten championship, just not a divisional championship. I'm going to put Penn State above Minnesota. I'm going to put Minnesota second. And then I'm probably going to sneak Purdue in front of the group of five just because it's been a pain in the backside against Purdue the last two years. And you've got another mad genius on offense with Coach Brom. You've let last year slip away. They were better at making plays than you in in year one. So to me, Purdue is is that third team. That's that's my order. That's my reasoning. Uh, when it goes to confidence rankings, we'll talk with Brandon Vogel about this. But what do you think here, Damon? I mean, wh- where are you at as a student that's going to be masked up in the student section, likely? If you were to rank like most important or what's got that attachment to you that, man, I want, I want to beat these guys, Minnesota clearly, because you either love or hate Fleck. I've gone from rolling my eyes at him to actually talking to him to looking at what he's done in three years on top of the Western Michigan run. Guy can coach. The guy can motivate and he can develop. So whatever you think of him as a blowhard, don't disagree. The guy's good. The guy's good, and I give him credit. I think Brom is making a ton of money in a garbage job that has some underrated talent around him. And when you look at uh, his two wide receivers and what he's been able to do, the fact he didn't go back to Louisville and he's sticking in Purdue, they're going to be a, a thorn. Uh, and that thorn could be at their heights, maybe a 9-3, and 8-4 and four when they're good. And they could still be a case in point six and six team pre bowl that annihilates an Ohio State two years ago. So I'm going to put Purdue in there because of the West implications, because Nebraska's not done well against them. I'm going to put Minnesota second and overall biggest impact statement and best game, best opportunity is going to be the Penn State. I'm going to put Penn State. Because of their history under James Franklin above Minnesota. I think I'm going to put Minnesota at the one because we have not won a Black Friday game in how many years. And Minnesota really is starting to become our, our second rival to Iowa. Maybe if we keep even above this, Wisconsin. I, I think the Wisconsin thing has sort of not been so much of a rivalry, so much of like a big brother, little brother kind of thing, as much as I hate to say it lately. Just, just the way that Wisconsin kind of has pounded on us in recent years it's not been close right but the thing that that my attachment to wisconsin i put them one and then i put iowa 1a if we're doing the whole schedule and i put wisconsin one because of alvarez because of his nebraska tie because of how he's built wisconsin like nebraska i mean he's made nebraska or wisconsin his version of nebraska north i mean that's nebraska is getting uh out Nebraska more times than not by Wisconsin. That's it. And and that's who's 
claiming and winning and sending dudes to the NFL and doesn't matter who the coordinator is or the head coach, Godfather Barry's still in that uh, AD chair and getting it done. So until th- that's ultimately in the Big Ten, who you got to take down if you're Nebraska. But I see your point about Minnesota as far as the home game. Listen, th- there is <laughs> there's an edge to want to beat those guys and drill them. And I don't don't kid yourself. It's 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 alive and well in those coaches' offices. I mean, if you got them in an honest moment. You got him in an honest moment. Who do they want to just blow out? It may be Brom. My offense, and I'm smarter than you. Fleck, shut up and quit selling me. Quit selling me and quit selling you. And then there's there's the, the, the whale, the big dog, which is Penn State. We'll get Greg Smith's thoughts on this recruiting hit coming up with Greg Smith on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time on a Thursday. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Greg Smith is with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Recruiting Insider at GregSmithHV on Twitter. Greg, what's on the grill tonight? Uh, burgers are back on the, the grill tonight. We did burgers last. They did burgers. Uh, wife and kid did burgers. I did grilled chicken. I'm trying to eat better, Greg. Oh, well, good for you. Um, <laughs> in that same vein, I'm having corn as the side. Well, I had, uh, I had, I had, I had, I had corn. I grilled like six years of corn. And is it wrong to not share? They are the sweets corn's so good right now. Yeah, I was just about to say, I feel like that's what everybody's eating right now, which is great. Um, great place to be for that. Um, so, no, I would not blame you. I would not blame you one bit. No, and, and truth be told, I had half a Junior's burger because he wasn't mad enough to finish it. So, uh, yeah, so so there's the portion control. Hey, uh, let's get into Nebraska and Gabe Irvin. He uh, was on your Greg's Guys list. He emerged last week. We had a nice chat about about Gabe Irvin and uh, Nebraska landing him earlier this week. Big time get, 25 offers for the kid. Kind of a power back with some sneaky speed. And you know what, Nebraska, Greg, it looks like they've been on him for a long, long time. Yeah, he's, he's definitely been a guy that's been on their radar for a while now. Sean Becton uh, kind of spearheading that effort uh, to get in the door with him. And then, you know, Ryan Held is tireless on the trail. Um, and then Frost and Lubick jumping in as well as he kind of got the whole staff on him, uh, or the offensive staff on him. He's a really good player. I, I, exactly what you said is what I really like about him. He's a bigger back um, that does have good speed and good shifting. It's good vision. You can see that on film, too. Um, and he's a kid that comes from a powerhouse program. That Buford High uh, program uh, down in Buford, Georgia, it seems like they win state championships every year. Um, they're also cranking out guys uh, to, to Division One programs on a yearly basis as well. Um, so it's also a nice little bonus to, to get a foothold into that program or get your foot in the door. In that program. Who's his teammate that's thinking about Nebraska? Malik Williams is the cornerback that, that you're thinking of. Um, and I really like Nebraska's chances uh, with him as well. He's about six foot 170, uh, Malik Williams is. Um, and is another guy that I feel like we see this just about everybody um, that gets um, really heavily talked about in the defensive backfield by Travis Fisher um, is that he kind of was under the radar 
um, has a bunch of offers, including like Georgia Tech, Florida State, um, some other cool schools down in the southeast that do pretty well. Uh, but Nebraska, I think, is well down the road with him at this point as well. I don't want to ask you if, if you're surprised, but looking at the peer offer list with, uh, with Irvin and then potentially with Williams here, I mean, th- this isn't like lower-tier SEC schools. This is Georgia. This is Florida State. This is the U. This is SC for, for, for Gabe Irvin. And with Nebraska, how are they able to, to do this? I mean, I don't want to sound like, wow, I'm shocked, but, man, they, they got a kid that everyone else either wanted or most of these places, to your knowledge, right? I mean, it was a committable, committable offer out to Irvin. It wasn't just, hey, we like you. This is where you're at on our board, uh, but we don't have room for you. It was, no, I mean, Nebraska won these battles, correct? Yeah, Nebraska, um, Gabe Irvin had plenty of options as he laid out there um, for where he wanted to play college football. I think Nebraska, one of the things that Nebraska does, and this is very particular to Georgia in this case and why they've had the success in Georgia that they have, um, is Sean Beckton knows everyone down there, right? Um, he's a guy who's very well connected, very well respected. It's somebody that I feel like we don't, we probably don't talk about enough when it comes to assistant coach recruiters because you think of held um, a lot. Chins is really involved. Um, Barrett Rude has done very well uh, during his time. So is Travis Fisher. So we don't talk as much um, about Sean Beckton, but we probably should uh, because he's the, the entry point to a lot of these different places down south um, based on how respected he is. And he connects well. Like Families are just comfortable um, sending their sons to, to be around Sean Beckton. Um, and I think that that's a big deal, especially during these times where guys are committing without having visited. You need to have some trust built up with that staff that you're sending your kid to. Well, you nailed it. I mean, trust is is the word and trust is the feel for a lot of these kids that, that haven't had a chance to physically be on campus. The virtual tour has been a priority, and Nebraska has been doing well. So 10 commits for 2021. I got a list of some kids here, Greg, going to go down uh, the list and, and kind of give me your, your, your temperature reading here. Uh, Christian Burkholder, really talented outside linebacker. Nebraska wants another outside backer. And Burkholder's out of Alabama. That's uh, prime chins territory. What's your feel on Burkholder? Yeah, I think that Nebraska's in a really good spot there. Um, I think Nebraska and Virginia, I think, are the two schools that are kind of above the rest. I think he has a top four, but I think those those two are the schools um, that I'm really looking at. And I think Nebraska um, could add him sooner rather than later. The, the holdup here is that, and like a lot of kids, and you totally understand this, he and his family do want to be able to visit the place ahead of time that they're going to commit to. I, I just don't know. Like at, at this point, it's kind of a question mark as to when visits are going to be allowed. I think it's starting to set in with people around the country um, that that might not be necessarily uh, when um, the visits are allowed, but if uh, because you just don't know because there's so many moving parts of being able to have a lot of people on campus. Um, so that could push a decision um, a little bit sooner than he wants to, but I like Nebraska's spot for, for Burkhalton. You know, Mendenhall has done really well kind of resurrecting Virginia. They've gotten some Really talented defensive players, and if you can pry Burkholder away from from Virginia and win out, that'd be a nice add. Marcus Embo, offensive line out of Wisconsin. He's where? Where's his timeline at right now? 
Yeah, and remember, Will Schweitzer also liked Virginia yes. as well, so another another linebacker that they were after. Um, the timeline with Mbaye is interesting. I think that he's a guy that wants to be able to play out the process a little bit and also um, get some visits in or get more visits in. Um, the problem that I think that he's going to run into and that any offensive lineman is going to run into is that Nebraska has done so well over the last few years of bringing in offensive linemen. There are 17 scholarship offensive linemen. There are a handful um, of really good walk-ons like we just added uh, mm-hmm. yesterday with Ezra Miller coming over from Iowa. You had uh, Newelli coming over from Colorado State um, prior to that. Um, so those are two guys with Division One experiences. Because of that, it allows Nebraska to be really selective and patient when it comes to this final offensive line spot in the class. Um, he's a guy who could be left uh, without a spot in Nebraska's class if he doesn't go ahead and make a decision soon, but I think he wants to wait. Well, and, and you nailed it. Uh, Miller, you remember, I remember you doing a, a kind of a write-up on Miller and just touch on what, in your opinion, Nebraska's getting. We've seen the measurables, but also kind of that fresh start opportunity for him as he makes the move from Iowa City to Lincoln. Yeah, one of the, the thing that really interests me about him, because he was a four-star kid coming out in the 2019 class, one of the really heralded players in that 2019 Iowa class. He enrolled early um, out there in Iowa City, so he's got some additional time in their strength and conditioning program as well. Um, the thing that I'm really curious to see is his motivation factor, and I think it'll be high uh, because he's going to want to prove himself, right? He's coming into a crowded room. He was a talented kid in his own right, um, and kind of rekindling that flame with football I think will, will be really huge for him and then it gives Greg Austin another very intriguing body there um, there are no shortage of guys that, that should, could end up being dudes uh, for Greg Austin's unit Okay, July 4th, get your fireworks ready, Latrell Neville I know he was a Virginia Tech lean kid out of Texas, Houston area you feel good about him for Nebraska? Yeah, I would be surprised if the pick is not Nebraska at this point. I think all signs point to Neville um, being the, the next wide receiver in the class. Um, it's really, it's just always, it gives you a little bit of hesitation when you, when a guy says he's going to make an announcement on a date, and that date is still a couple of weeks away, right? Um, it just gives time for, it's recruiting, so it gives time for wacky things to happen. Uh, but I feel good about where Nebraska is um, with him. And if you pair him with Sean Hardy out of Georgia, um, that's two really nice-looking prospects on the outside um, that have good size and speed um, that should be in the mix uh, fairly early in their playing careers. Greg, got about three minutes here. A.J. Rollins, tight end out of Nebraska, and the uh, token Thomas Fedoni question, <laughs> uh, tight end. I, I've, I've, re- I've laid out here uh, five kids. Would that pretty much round out? What's the total number for Nebraska? And give us a read on Rollins and, and any update on Fedoni. So Rollins is kind of unique because I'm pretty sure that the only school that he's visited is Nebraska, right? Um, and so I don't know if he's going to want to try and be patient if he feels like he's far enough down the road with Nebraska and feels comfortable with their coaching staff uh, because you know Nebraska wants to take um, two tight ends because what will be interesting, if you could ever, if you could get Thomas Fedoni to move off of waiting to take visits and, and hopefully for Nebraska, he commits to Nebraska, and then things get really interesting. 
interesting because Nebraska does want to take two tight ends, but there's a host of guys, including Rollins, Eric Olson out of Colorado, Gunnar Helm out of Colorado, that would all be vying for that second spot. You know, Thomas Bedoni is a take no matter what, um, but there's only going to be one more slot left for those guys. Um, so somebody's going to have to make a decision before they want to if Fedoni ends up making an early decision. Um, but right now, there are no indications that he wants to do that because he's content with playing it out uh, because he can at this point. Who do you think is the second best tight end of that group behind Fedoni? Boy, I I think it's Eric Olson, the kid out of Colorado who's got really unique family ties to Nebraska. He has so many relatives that went here um, and then also has a bunch of family still in Omaha and kind of grew up going to Husker games. He's a, a really nice-looking um, prospect as a guy who flex out and is athletic but also can block in line. So I think he's a little bit bigger at this point than Fedoni is, even though Fedoni's got good size. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they could complement each other well if those were the two tight ends. Um, but I don't know that you could go wrong with with any combination uh, of one of those three other than Fedoni. Obviously, Fedoni is the big dog, but but either one of those other three uh, would be welcome additions as well. Well, and you've also got the the factor of of closeness here with with Rollins, and you know how reactions go if someone from in-state doesn't end up here. Right, right, and that that's both, both ways. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yes, that's definitely a factor. Um, it's just that he's just been so quiet, and I've been trying to catch up with him um, mm-hmm. here because he's just been a really quiet kid during the recruiting process, um, and you just never know. That could mean that he's been quietly building a strong relationship with Bear Root and those guys, or it could mean that he's really trying to find another school. Like You just don't know until you're able to talk to him because he's been really quiet during the process. Greg Smith, a recruiting hit, and can follow him on Twitter. Do so at GregSmithHV, HailVarsity.com, and be sure to check out his Wandale Robinson profile with the Hale Varsity yearbook that's said your, to your mailbox uh, soon or a newsstand, newsstand soon. Greg, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, thanks as always. You guys have a good weekend. You too, man. There he is. Greg's going to be firing up some burgers on the grill. I always like to ask Greg what he's cooking. I may just surprise him one day. I hope he answers the door. Uh, we will head down to uh, Talladega. Statement from the president of NASCAR. Hale Varsity continues. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Bill Bender, Sporting News, coming up here at 5, and then Brandon Vogel and the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. We spent some time confidence ranking most important games in Lincoln in 2020. Minnesota comes in on Hale Varsity's list as number one. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I respectfully disagree. I'm going to put Penn State above Minnesota, but I put Minnesota second. I put Purdue third, even in front of a South Dakota State, even in front of a Cincinnati. And I know Cincinnati's probably the second or third best team on the schedule. I think Nebraska in year three needs to be able to beat I think a lot of Nebraska fans think you need to be able to beat a South Dakota State and a Cincinnati in back-to-back weeks. Just, that's that's it. Doesn't happen automatically, clearly, but that's just where I'm at. Let's uh, go down to Talladega, and uh, about lunchtime is when NASCAR released the photo of the garage and the, I'm going to air quote here, pole rope, 
It was fashioned into a noose. So when I, when I had the visions of a pull rope, I think there's a rope that comes down from the side of your garage and there's some knots in it for grip. And then there's a little loop you stick your, your wrist through. This thing's a freaking noose, okay? And Bubba Wallace was right. NASCAR President Steve Phelps uh, commented. We'll hear from him in a moment. But he said, look, you see the photo? There's a noose. It was real. There's a, that, that was a major concern for us, for Bubba. And our initial reaction was to contact the FBI and authorities because we wanted to protect our driver. And a little backstory here. You have a crew member notice the news. Uh, the, one of the, the, the crew chief is Jerry Baxter, who works for Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, Baxter notified security. A photo was taken of the noose before it was cut down. And NASCAR contacted the FBI, who also viewed the picture. So with the FBI, I mean, there's there's over a thousand garages that the FBI went and looked at in Talladega. And with the pull-down ropes that exist, there were, I think, five or seven of them, but only one with that type of noose opening at the end okay and this is what was going on Bubba had come out rightfully so get rid of the stars and bars the reaction to that was Bubba had received death threats he had some a-hole flying a confederate flag behind an airplane saying let's defund NASCAR that was flying over the the racetrack You had protesters outside in favor of the Confederate flag. You had emotions attached to all of this after what's gone on the past three weeks in our country. It was very emotionally charged. You have Phelps say that there was a thorough sweep of all 29 tracks where they race. 1,000, I said just over 1,000, 1,684 garage stalls, 11 total ropes that had a pull-down rope tied in a knot, and just one noose, the one in Bubba Wallace's garage. Here is Steve Phelps, president of NASCAR, some of his comments from earlier today. First, I want to touch on our approach and decision to investigate. As I mentioned on Tuesday, Given the facts presented to us, we would have pursued this with the same sense of urgency and purpose. Upon learning of and seeing the news, our initial reaction was to protect our driver. We're living in a highly charged and emotional time. What we saw was a symbol of hate and was only present in one area of the garage, that of the 43 car of Bubba Wallace. In hindsight, we should have, I should have used the word alleged in our statement. Many of you have seen the photo. As you can see from the photo, the noose was real, as was our concern for Bubba. With similar emotion, others across our industry and our media stood up to defend the NASCAR family, our NASCAR family, because they are part of the NASCAR family too. 
we were proud to see so many stand up for what's right. So back to the reaction of NASCAR. That's the good out of this. Damon, you see this picture, man. And I don't want to debate whether it's a functioning noose or not. I, I could probably get my head through the thing. And you had difference of opinions. You had some folks going, oh, it's a, it's a hoax. No, it's not, man. It's, it's, it's a noose. And this was NASCAR did the right thing with how they reacted. But back to Lars Anderson yesterday, we're, we're seeing the picture for the first time today, five hours later from, from noon. Could the picture have maybe gotten out? The reason it didn't, there was no conclusion to the investigation. NASCAR just wrapped up. Okay, so if this thing's been there since October of 2019, somebody still made it into a news. And, and, okay, why? To intimidate? To latch on to a, a, a hook somewhere to keep the garage shut? I'm just throwing out the, the what or the why. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I from a timeline, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things in this kettle here of emotions and climate outside of Talladega, you have the Confederate flag and you have the only African-American driver in NASCAR. Here's your garage. Oh, and bang, here's a noose. Man, it, it just, it, it adds up to smell funny. And, and I'm not saying that NASCAR has buried their head here and there's a cover up. I don't believe that at all. I, with the FBI, I, I don't think that they in unison with NASCAR would have tried to to sweep this and protect somebody. They would have, if they had evidence of who did it, they'd come out and this person would be getting verbally smoked and charged. That's what would be happening. But don't tell me it wasn't the news. How how chilling is that picture in the backdrop that Sports Illustrated posted? It, it, chilling is the, the right word to use, I would definitely say. Yeah, I, I hope um, we get some sort of eventual answer as to, to who and when and why it happened. We'll spend some more time on college football, some thoughts with Bill Bender, uh, not only on Nebraska, but his, uh, his story earlier in the week was really pretty good with not only coaches and programs on the hot seat, but you know, some prove-it coaches, and Coach Frost falls into that category for him. And absolutely, we'll uh, spend some time on that, the different tiers. I know we've had that conversation before, but some perspective from what's coming up on Sporting News, and that is, you know, the top 25 programs of the last 10 years. And it's fair to say Nebraska's not been one. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Bill Bender's Sporting News coming up. College football thoughts with him, Brandon Vogel. Pride of Chicago's Danny Burke. We're going to talk with Danny at 540, get his take on Vegas. Some baseball thoughts with a shortened season. Who does that favor? Anybody? 
Reminder about drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working around the clock to stop with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver make the correct choice of a non-alcoholic drink or have a pre-selected designated driver. Be smart. Start the conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, Got a Twitter response to our last segment. Dan's a frequent contributor on Twitter and love hearing from Dan. Uh, It starts out with an expletive I can't repeat, but I get what he's saying. Blank, I better be careful. I tie a knot. I, this is from Dan. I tie that knot a lot while fishing. And I know what Dan's saying when it comes to, we're discussing uh, the noose versus the the loop to stick your wrist through for, uh, you know, the pull-down garage that some of us as kids either had or our, our folks didn't have an automatic garage door opener or the not Dan's talking about. I absolutely know what he's talking about. Every summer, we'd go out to, to western Nebraska, Medicine Creek, kind of between uh, Cambridge and McCook, and, and fish at my, my grandpa's lake and, and stay at the cabin and listen to Pete and Cavillia go 0 for 4. I mean, it was, it was sweet, but I, I, was, I was mesmerized by my grandfather's ropes that he had with all these cinder blocks that would be positioned on the front of the boat, back by the, uh, the motor or the side of the boat for his, air quote, special fishing hole that he'd blindfold my brother and I and he'd take us to. No, I'm kidding on the blindfold, but we, we thought he might someday. But yeah, to, to, to be able to raise those anchors and position the boat from rocking in the wind, he had a loophole that he would fasten around his wrist so he could drop specifically his, his cinder block just so the boat would be positioned just perfect wind or no wind to try and catch as many crappie as possible. So... Dan, I'm I'm not fearful of, of you or your 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 knot tying or what rope you have in the name of fishing. So it's all good, dude. Uh, I think you're a stand-up guy. Thanks for listening. But yeah, I mean, I, I I can hear other people's point of view on why it was shaped like that. But when I hear and see the investigation, and we talk about 1,600 garages. And that's the only way that rope was fashioned like that. That's too many, too much math to add up to an answer. Listen, this will move forward. Uh, NASCAR did the right thing. And the response is what I'm going to take with me by the racers, by the pit crews, and uh, by the support for, for Bubba Wallace out there. Uh, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865, numbers to get in. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us, follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, or at Damon Barr, two R's for Damon. And uh, Brandon Vogel going to come up here uh, right around 5.30, Danny Burke. And Bill Bender joins us next from the Sporting News, some college football talk, Nebraska, and Coach Frost, what the outlook is for 2020. Hour two next. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to it, Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some college football thoughts. We say hi to Bill Bender with the sporting news at BillBender92. Bill, how's your summer going? How's, uh, how's baseball been for you and the fam? Oh, uh, we're doing great, man. We're uh, hanging in there. We had a successful first weekend, a Little League Baseball over the weekend. And <laughs> everything I told you about what went into that, it was, it was a lot of fun. So uh, just continuing to work on that and trying to do well. That's awesome. We uh, we got our uh, our baseball kicked off uh, this weekend as well, and back at it. Uh, we'll get into some major league returning to action. I want to start off with a story you did earlier in the week, and college football coaches. It's hot seats and, and pressure in twenty twenty, and you know what? It it never seems to to change with some of these same programs per se. You can change the coach, but you've got continuous pressure no matter who's wearing the headset uh bill whether it's a usc or uh you look at south carolina post spurrier but a, a new name that's on the list that's not been uh there very long is is chip kelly let's spend a minute on chip kelly and and what he faces in 2020 well to me chris the the term hot seat and pressure are two different things right on. i think every program has pressure right but then once you start losing a lot and that pressure builds. And I think Chip Kelly, it just hasn't taken off like we thought it might in Westwood. And then you start to wonder, does it fit? Um, And I think there is going to be a little bit of pressure on them to get that offense moving in the right direction this year. And they've been hit or miss. Um, It hasn't been the same as he was at Oregon. It's not as cutting edge. And um, now you're seeing the players, you know, with the COVID stuff, they, they don't, necessarily trust him and they want a third party uh, to administer testing and all of those are earmarks for something that starts to make you a little antsy when you look at the program i think you're right on and and with that story uh last week on ucla's players there's clearly a disconnect there's frustration when it comes to communication but but kelly's system i know has been uh, you know, attempted to be replicated, but I don't know if you can truly duplicate with with what he was able to do at Oregon. That's a tough act for him trying to do what he was able to do at Oregon at UCLA. You'd think from a recruiting base standpoint, it'd be all good going into to LA where you're competing against SC, but you've got so much talent in your in your backyard. But it's not it's not taking off. I really thought they were going to kind of launch after their their Washington State win that comeback they had, but they never really found footing. Let's stay in L.A. to talk some college football. And you know what what are your expectations for for SC? Are, are we talking <laughs> uh, the fact that uh, SC will be looking for, or we'll be talking about a new coach this time next year? Or do you think Clay Helton can continue to hang on? You know, with him, I don't know what the win total has to be, but I'm pretty sure they got to get to the Pac-12 championship game and make that statement with the roster they've got coming back. Obviously, you know, it's that listy season where, you know, you're doing those kind of things, and they're running back, their quarterback, their receiver, they're all on those lists. Um, 
So I think it's a huge year for them in terms of that. Uh, I, I don't know what the expectations are, though, when you have a new athletic director, when he did keep the job, when they have shorn up recruiting, and all of those things are headed in the right direction. But I don't think Clay Helton can afford another, you know, seven and six type season where they're in a division, which I think both of us feel like they should probably win that thing. I, I, SC should be 10 and two every year. That's not fair, but with the amount of talent access they have, they've been a great blue blood, which means they can be a, a championship program again. I mean, Bill, they're not far removed from a, a really cool Rose Bowl win over, over a really awesome Penn State team, right? I mean, we're not that far gone from that. And then they finish... 11th, 10th in recruiting in the Pac-12 last year. It just kind of boggles the mind, but I think the uncertainty is is feeding into that recruit that lack of success recruiting. And maybe Helton's just landed three stars instead of five stars. Maybe he'll coach him up, but uh, it's, it's weird to see or say that SC's been passed up by folks even in their own division. For sure. And I think, you know, like you said, they're not that far from that Rose Bowl victory, and then the year after, they played in the Cotton Bowl. Right. against uh, Ohio State. and But that Ohio State game showed the dis- the distance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that these other Big Ten programs show against the Buckeyes. Like, when I watched Ohio State-USC, and even with Darnold on the field, there was a clear separation of talent between the two programs. And it wasn't like that in the 70s and 80s when they played in the Rose Bowl all the time. So I think it's about getting that four- and five-star talent. I know – Colin Cowherd had his tier rankings and everybody's mm. doing those. And today, you know, Sporting News is going to release our top 25 programs of the last 10 years. And USC is more in the teens than in the top 10 anymore, in my opinion. Well, let's uh, go to those tiers. And and I love talking tiers. And I, and I saw that, that footage on Cowherd with you got about four that can win it, 12 that can contend. And he had Nebraska and Iowa and, and some other programs lumped in that are that are really good traditional programs. And he thinks will be, you know, he, he's, he's a big Nebraska guy. Cowherd is, you know, wh- where do you look at Nebraska uh, at right now? When we when we get into the tiers discussion, are they kind of knocking on the door? Do you see them making a move, or are they far down the list just because it's been a struggle? Well, they haven't been a top twenty five program in the last ten years. I think we can all agree on that. Exactly. Um, but you know, you look. I think they fall into that weight class with programs like Texas and programs like Michigan and USC and Tennessee that have kind of we remember them in the nineties and the early two thousands being dominant consistent and would go out and win 10 games in their sleep and now they're struggling to get there so i think they're in that kind of class maybe texas is the exception there i should say that just mm-hmm. because um you know texas is a huge program with a ton of resources and there aren't a lot of excuses not to win there but at the same time if you look at the last 10 seasons texas has only won double digit games one time i mean that's through the end of max through charlie and through tom mm-hmm. um I would have never guessed I would say that about that program. No, I, I don't disagree with you. The thing that's 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 baffling is is the consistency factor for Texas, and, and I'll throw USC in there. That their 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 bar is very high, and it's because of their access to talent. You would think, but. Even under Mac, I mean, they, they only won two conference championships. O- Oklahoma and Stoops had it handled. And f- from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, they had the, the, the seven years of McCoy and, and Vince. 
Uh, and then they had the Ricky Williams era, but but Mac Mac did well, and Mac took Texas to levels they hadn't been for forever. But still, uh, maybe he didn't win as much, or they can even fall into that underachiever category. And that's kind of how it feels right now with with Coach Herman uh, going eight and five after beating Georgia in in year two. When we get to your list here on on coaches facing most pressure, I think Herman's absolutely there because he was so sought after, and look at how great he was at Houston yeah and uh you know I think I like Tom Herman I like his style kind of make jokes with the other youth baseball coaches around that if I was a college football coach I'm I'm of the Tom Herman type for better or worse um (laughs) you know I got a little bit of a a, you know temper out there and not afraid to show it but I, I think he's done a nice job with the recruiting he's done a nice job you know getting them in position to win big games where they've been close, but they're losing those games close. I think that's Texas' biggest problem the last two years of losing in the close game. So um, as soon as they flip that around, you know, they, they, they hung with LSU last year. They've hung with Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma on the field in the last two years. But it's been those, you know, those hiccup losses to a TCU or somebody else that have kind of held the program back, and typically those are close games. They've got to start winning those. A few more minutes. Bill Bender with us. Hail Varsity Radio Talking College Football. Follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. And Sporting News uh, releasing their, their top 25 programs the last 10 years. And Bill's story about hot seat and pressure. Uh, Scott Frost is on this list when it comes to pressure. And Scott Frost is going to be here as long as Scott Frost wants to be here. That's kind of my take on things because there's a feel that if, if he can't fix it, nobody can fix it. So uh, be patient. That's kind of my take on it. Now, uh, they need to be better in close games, similar to USC. Uh, Nebraska needs to, to kind of kickstart uh, where they're at in the West, they're 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 losing too often to the Purdue's of the world, and that's not a knock. I mean, Coach Brom's nice, but the uh, the the elite Nebraska fans like, okay, you should be playing for and winning nine games a year, and and playing for a conference championship. That's not been the case. And then you see your neighbor uh, in BJ Fleck in Minnesota do what they did in year three. So uh, there's some keeping up with the Joneses here to talk about. Uh, Bill, and what's your, what's your outlook here for Frost in year three, and what, what, what's the level of pressure here you think exists from a national perspective on, on Frost that came in with the buzz of all buzzes from Central Florida? Yeah, you got to win. you got to get to a full game, probably. I think, you know, like you said, Scott Frost faces the same hurdles that Jim Harbaugh faces at Michigan, yeah. and, and any time you have a guy come back like that and there's a savior feel to it, um, fans are going to expect everything, but I think with Frost, he is going to be given time, and we've talked about this a little bit on your show about the brick-by-brick mentality. Yep. Um, you got to start beating the Purdue's and the, those, those type schools, because what Nebraska is expected to do next is A, get to a bowl, B, start competing with Iowa and Wisconsin in the West, and then once you can do that, then you're ready for you know the monsters in the East, the Ohio States and Michigan's and um, Penn State. I don't know. Has, in Nebraska, I don't know if they've gotten a look at Penn State in a while, but I know... This year. <laughs> the, yeah, the, then we're going to find out. So, And with Ohio State, they've seen that up close last year in Lincoln. They've seen Michigan on the road and what Michigan can be about. So 
those are the programs that Nebraska will be expected to compete with in the next two to three years. And if, as you've seen with Jim and James Franklin at Penn State and even Paul Christ at Wisconsin, those three programs have trouble with Ohio State too. So it's not going to be an easy mountain to climb. I think Nebraska is is four and zero against Penn State. Uh, in the Big Ten, overtime win uh, in in Happy Valley, uh, a win in that 2012 season against uh, O'Brien, and uh, then they got him the, the the week that Paterno got fired, and I don't think they've faced them with James Franklin as coach, honestly. And if they did, it might have been early in his tenure there. But but Bo Bo didn't lose to Penn State, uh, but. Yeah, Nebraska's. You're right on with the brick by brick by brick thing. What, what's your take on A and M and Jimbo? Can he can he capture that Florida State magic? He's got money. He's got resources. He has talent uh, down at A and M. But A and M's never really done much. Yeah, he's done well with recruiting too. But again, they're another program that operates in the shadow of Texas. Um, you know, those two programs like to snipe back and forth, but it's been a very long time since Texas A&M's won a national championship. So, I mean, the thing with them, they're also in the heaviest heavyweight division of them all. So you can recruit well, that's fine. But when it comes down to it, you got to start winning those top ten showdowns against the Auburns and LSUs and, and uh, Alabamas, and not to mention the crossover games. So the last two seasons, A&M's won in seven against top ten teams, and that sounds an awfully lot like those stats we like to pull out with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan when they play in a top 10 game. So I think that'll be the challenge for A&M over the next couple of years, starting with this year, to start winning some of those top 10 games. Bill Bender, Sporting News, and check him out at BillBender92 on Twitter. Bill, last saw, I'll let you get out. Uh, give me the blue, blood, the blue Blood team, as I try and spit it out, that is most likely to return to Blue Blood form. Who do you think is that program to get back? Is it Michigan under Harbaugh? Is it Miami under Diaz? Does Nebraska move that way with Frost? Is it Herman in Texas? Is it SC with whoever? Uh, who who kind of gets back to the adult table? I think Penn State and Florida are getting closer. I think Florida's really close with Mullen, the work he does with quarterbacks, and maybe going to make that game against Georgia really exciting over the next several years. Um, I think... Uh, you know, those are those are kind of the ones that I'm looking at. Penn State, James Franklin's done a heck of a job solidifying that program, and they've recruited a touch better than Michigan, Nebraska, and Wisconsin in terms of bringing in the the big guys. The problem with Franklin, again, it's if you take Ohio State out of the Big Ten the last three years, the actual race would be really exciting between Wisconsin, <laughs> Penn State, Michigan, and a few others. Well, Penn but State's Penn State's was, been right there to beat them too. I mean, they've 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 had leads. They've had leads in games. Right. They, they've blown two fourth-quarter leads against Ohio State in the last three years and were probably the closest thing to pushing them last year. So I think Penn State's getting closer, but uh, they're going to have to win some of those games just like everybody else mm. to clear that hurdle. All right, Bill Bender. Bill, can't wait to, to read more on this upcoming season for college football. I hope we get it in with the COVID uh, cases that are continuing to rise and Got to kind of hang on and and hope things uh, stay safe and healthy. Best to you, and thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, no problem, Chris. Thanks for having me. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Great to get caught up with him. That was a fun chat, and I don't disagree that two teams that are knocking on that door nationally, Florida with Mullen, Penn State with Coach Franklin, and where the Nittany Lions have been and where they could go. 
Uh, Brandon Vogel is going to join us here shortly from Hale Varsity. An update here from the NCAA. The Division One Council has extended the recruiting dead period in all sports through August 31st. The full council and the council coordination committee will continue to review the dead periods on a regular basis. Yeah, you got spikes in Texas, Florida, the uh, Sunbelt region. Don't travel here is what they're saying. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on AFR City Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Thank you, Kramer. KLVR City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We say hi to Brandon L. Vogel, managing editor for HaleVar City Magazine, HaleVarCity.com, and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Give him a follow on Twitter. Give him a read. Uh, Vogues, what do you know? How's your Thursday? Oh, pretty good. Can't complain. How about you? I'm uh, sweating a little bit, and it's more so what I'm seeing on social media regarding uh, the SEC and uh, if they're going to move back their championship game. Do they make some makeup room uh, if games need to be shifted and changed? The ability to adapt. The SEC's come out with this on social media and uh, they were with Feinbaum discussing it. Uh, if the SEC's chatting, you know, the Big Ten is likely doing so or about to, to to follow suit. Where are you at right now with, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk confidence ranking in a moment, but where, where are you at confidence ranking for 2020? Has it taken a hit? And with these spikes in COVID around the country, the NCAA instituting a, uh, continued dead period now to August 31st. Do you think we're in danger here of, of at least pushing the season start date back? Yeah, it certainly seems like in more danger than I, than I would have thought, you know, two or three weeks ago, uh, recent surge in cases in many spots around the country uh, has, has shaken my confidence in, in the prospect of, of 2020 football a little bit, I still think it's, it's more likely than not mm-hmm. that we have some sort of season, but um, the prospect of, of a delayed start of maybe a, an abbreviated season, perhaps conference only certainly seems more on the table now than it did, you know, back even at the start of June. With that dead period uh, extension of recruiting, does that hurt Nebraska? Does that help Nebraska? Is it somewhere in the middle? And I ask that because Nebraska seemed to do pretty darn well uh, with virtual visits and, and lining up commits in June. Yeah, it seems like they're 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 finding a way, um, and you know it may have it may have seemed like Nebraska was was behind some others, uh, you know, earlier on, like. April and May, but uh, maybe that was maybe that was by design. Maybe they needed that time to kind of hone what this new kind of recruiting pitch looks like. In general, I think you know the the longer that dead period extends, uh, it, it certainly doesn't help Nebraska. It's always been a place where kind of your best foot forward was was getting to see it in person. 
And, you know, a lot of that had to do with, you know, the facilities were part of that. But, but most of all, it was, it was the fan support. Um, it's the things that recruits time in and time out rave about uh, when we talk to them after visits. And, you know, with kind of the uncertain prospect of that, uh, Nebraska needs to have kind of a, a new way forward, at least temporarily, because, you know, even if, if recruits are able to take visits in the fall, like what's that stadium look like? And I mean, there's no question to me that if people are allowed to come, they'll be there. Um, it, but it's just a matter of what you can do safely and responsibly. I kind of look at the commitment of, of Gabe Irvin and what sold him never being to Lincoln but it was, these guys care about me. I can carry the football and do that very well at a high level for you. But the, the, the connection part, uh, Nebraska can, can figure out what to focus on based on a kid's want and need and personality and, and really put their best foot forward. I really like the way Nebraska's adapted. It's been impressive. And, and the kids that they've gotten – uh, Schweitzer and, and Irvin specifically, the last two gets, I think have, have spoken loud volumes about just how well Nebraska can hone in and and really present themselves. Vogue's uh, a thought here with the uh, Husker home game power index. I love this story from Dr. Petey. Where are you at with this? Dr. Petey has Minnesota ranked number one in the power index ranking. That's that's the game he's uh, thinking the, is the, the biggest and baddest. And, I, you know, it'd be – you pull your average Nebraska fan, yeah, they, they want to smack around uh, the, the boat rower. They totally do. I, I, have, I have Penn State up there. My, my, my top four goes like this. I have Penn State. Then I have Minnesota for home game. Then I have Purdue. And then I'll put Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a better football team than Purdue. Cincinnati might be a better football team than Minnesota. We'll see how Minnesota responds to handling success. And Penn State could very easily find their way into the playoff this year uh, based on their defense. And if they can get by Ohio State, they host the Buckeyes this year, I think. So I just think from a, from a wow factor, uh, if you can get Penn State, then that sets you up really well. I know how important the West race is. What's your confidence index ranking? What's what's number one on the list for home games? Hmm. Um, it, it might be Minnesota. I, I might be with Derek on that. Um, just as sort of the last game uh, of the season and, and for, you know, the Fleck Frost dynamic there, which I know Derek mentioned. And you don't have Iowa or Wisconsin at home. So, you know, it's kind of your – the next closest team, so that always adds something, and you've got that Black Friday date. Um, I, Penn State is probably second. That game sets up really interesting for Nebraska based on on where we think Penn State can be. You know, they're kicking around in the top five in a lot of these mm-hmm. preseason polls, and, and they do get Ohio State at home. You know, so that's kind of Nebraska's, like, big kind of spoiler chance as I look at it now, again, you know, things can be much different by the time we get to early November, but teams like that coming in and, and maybe Nebraska is at a point then, you know, it's still kind of looking for that signature. Like, hey, we're here. Um, we're going to, the past three seasons have been rough, but things are changing. You know, that's your chance to do that. I would have Purdue up there. Um, 
And then <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested in that South Dakota state game. That South Dakota state team is good. Um, or it should be good. Uh, they, they return a ton and they just play good football. Um, so just to uh, not totally overlap with you, uh, I'll, I'll put the Jacks ahead of the Bearcats. Well, the Jacks are bringing a lot of kids back home to Nebraska for the game. <laughs> and they were they at Minnesota last year and almost won that thing? Was that against South Dakota State? Yeah, that was that Thursday night opener. Not, yeah, I mean, that was like a 32-31 game. <laughs> Yeah, statistically speaking, uh, ended up on the short end of the turnover stick there and had a couple, had a crucial one late. But yeah, they, they, they went toe to toe with the Minnesota team and went, won 11 games and crushed Auburn in a bowl game. So, no, I, no, South, this, this schedule's like sneaky good. It's not Iowa, it's not Ohio State, it's not Wisconsin on the home slate, but the Black Friday thing is money and there's a bloodlust growing for, for Fleck in Minnesota. It's not, to me, the, quite the level of Iowa, especially the way you've lost to Iowa the last two years. I think, to me, if we're just going to zoom out and go overall confidence, to me, it's one is Wisconsin, 1A is Iowa, and then give me a, a Big Ten East big dog to want to wanna take down because that sends a message to your own division, that sends a message to the East, and that sends a message nationally I think from a talent level standpoint on paper that you got to see more on the field, Nebraska should beat Minnesota seven or eight out of 10 times. It's not, not gone that way. They should beat Purdue nine out of 10 times. It's not gone that way. And then when you look at the, the group of five teams that have come into Memorial stadium and won uh, Troy and who else, Damon, Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois, uh, you just go, what the hell? Right? If you're a Nebraska fan, <laughs> And now you have a team that that's going to going to challenge for uh, another New Year's Day six in Cincy with Fickle, and South Dakota State could win a national championship. So it's a sneaky nice schedule. I hope we get to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the key part. And you know, I, you know Derek looks specifically at the at the home games, but that that first road game at Northwestern. Um, I don't know exactly how good Northwestern is going to be in 2020, but I'm very confident they're going to be much better than they were in 2019. You, uh, you're uh, going to need lots. Person. You're going to need lots of alcohol. Just let's just tell Nebraska fans <laughs> that anytime Nebraska Northwestern play, you need to uh, to medicate. I'm, I'm half joking, Vogue. But yeah, I mean, we know that we know the history between them and. I, when I was going through with the yearbook and, and writing all those team previews, Northwestern just kind of jumped off the page to me as a team. Like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're due for a pretty big turnaround from last year. That's that's how they 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 roll. Patty Fisher's still playing linebacker there. I mean, how old do we feel now? He's been there thirty-seven years. <laughs> well, not just him, but the other their other two starting linebackers too. They've played like nearly a hundred games combined together. It's, it's crazy. God. And you know, <laughs> with, with Pat Fitzgerald, like, you, if Northwest is going to have linebackers that are that good and that experienced and have played together for that long, they're going to be able to cause some problems. And they did last year on, on defense. Mm-hmm. The problem was they just had one of the worst, worst offenses in, in modern college football. They, they were not good. Vogues, you're talking with Bill Bender earlier and he's got his, his story out hot seat versus kind of prove it right. And Nebraska and Frost and Herman and Texas and Jimbo and, and A&M are kind of prove it years for these guys. Uh, 
you you look at the the talent Texas has and how they kind of whiffed last year, the expectations for Nebraska. I want to go to USC for a moment. Who do you think's coaching USC a year from now? That's that's a that's a great question because they're they're an easy team to to fade based on on Helton's recent track record there, and you know it, it kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion that they'd make a change and then and then didn't at the end of last season. From a pure like talent standpoint and and returning production, like they're set up pretty well. Like I think I think USC could have could have a pretty good season. And with, you know, when you look at sort of the uncertainty of, of the fall ahead and even beyond that financially, I think if they, if they have the kind of year that they, they should have, which, you know, off the top of my head, I'm guessing maybe they might be an eight, nine win range. Like, I don't think you can consciously make the choice to, to move on and incur all the, the financial hit that that would take. You know, that's, that's kind of something I hadn't really thought about Certainly, as it pertains to USC, but but overall, are there going to be schools that are you know under normal circumstances would be willing to make a change uh, who all of a sudden came? Brandon Vogel, HailVarsity.com, get the yearbook. Phenomenal work by Vogues and the staff. Uh, Newsstands can subscribe. HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Uh, get the digital subscription involved as well. Vogues will talk Saturday. Thanks for a few minutes. Thank you. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. All right, he is back from vacation. He is tanned. He is ready to win some money. And you know what? He's doing well on TV for Vison, the pride of Chicago. Is Danny Burke at Danny Burke Five on Twitter? You hear him on Vison and uh, Sirius XM Two Hundred Four. Pride of Chicago, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, Smitty. Uh, it was nice to get a little time off. Uh, missed out on the show, of course, so I feel sad for that. But no, it's good to be back, man. How are you? I'm good. So you went to the islands, is that correct? Yeah, so I was in St. Thomas for a week, so we were hanging out at the beaches all throughout the week. Did a little bit of island hopping, went to St. John a little bit, too. Had a group of friends down there. So, uh, yeah, so I had a nice little time off and got to explore some of the nice beaches. Were there any uh, any tables you could hit down in St. Thomas? No, unfortunately, there weren't. It's funny because uh, one of our friends like went down there when quarantine started, and so he's been down there with some college buddies for like three months. So he definitely did it right. But like the first question we asked is, "Where's the casino, man?" And they're disappointed to say that there wasn't one. So uh, yeah, they, they've been missing out on that. So when they return. To the mainland, that's the first thing they're going to be hitting is what they said. Danny Burke is with us uh, of our city radio. Vison uh, can find uh, Danny on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. So you'll have to just rock your your, your Bond tux suit uh, on the strip, I guess. So I want to get in to, to your thoughts here with Major League Baseball finally getting off their, well, you know, getting it off, getting off their backside. And finally, we've got a 60-game season. Who do you like? I know some odds are out with, with World Series favorites, but overall, who do you think's built to, to, to win some money for people this shortened season? Well, the thing that's tricky about this, Schmitty, is naturally this is unprecedented territory. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about it on the show a little bit today because a lot of these places have offered unique props, like will any player hit 400 in the regular season and the most home runs, will any player go over 20 home runs, whatever it may be. And I think something to keep in mind, and this 
I keep giving this example, and I've probably mm-hmm. given it out on the show before, but who's going to really prosper more? Is it going to be kind of the young team that has been put together in this offseason that in the future is going to be really good? Or is it going to be a team that's more veteran-laden with experience that can thrive because they're used to playing with each other? So it'd be like the Cubs versus Sox scenario. The Sox had a really good offseason, young team, but they haven't really played together. So who knows what the camaraderie is going to be. The Cubs on the other side, they've had the same team constructed, a majority of it since that 2016 World Series. So they have the comfortability with each other, but they have issues they lack in other areas, as do many teams. But I think that's the main question. And with with a 60-game season, with it being – you know, compounded down so shortly. We saw the Mariners last year get out to a hot start 13-1. and The Nationals on the other side wouldn't have made the playoffs most likely if that was the case. So a lot of interesting scenarios can come from this. With that being said, though, I think you have to kind of consider maybe a team in the NL, um, not even just outright, but maybe for some specific props, because you got to remember now that the DH is being implemented, look at teams who could really thrive with using that strategy. And I think and there's a couple teams that could definitely do that, the Cubs being one of them who we just talked about because of a Kyle Schwarber, a guy mm-hmm. who has been berated for saying, oh, you know, he's got to be in the American League. He can't play defense. He needs to be DH. needs to be DH. Well, now's the opportunity to see that. So I was actually looking at his prop for him leading the home runs and having the most, but I didn't see any. So i got to keep an eye out for that. But I think that's an aspect to look at a team like the Dodgers, and that's no surprise. They're already going to be the cream of the crop coming into it. But they're a team who have enough offensive power to fill in that DH role. And then really, if you want to look at some of those young gunning teams, I know a popular team, at least through our network, that a lot of people have spoken out about is the Toronto Blue Jays. Now this is a young team that's got some studs who are – a little bit early if it was a 162-game season, but they were ending the season kind of getting their groove toward the end and definitely showed their potential. So that's a team where you can get some better value on. You're just hoping that these young guys can get it going early and get it going fast and consistently, of course. Danny Burke is with us, Pride of Chicago, Hail Varsity Radio, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. He is with Vison out in Las Vegas, Sirius XM 204. Going to switch gears to some college football and Superbook a couple of days ago, put out their college football odds for who's going to make the playoff. Of course, Clemson and Ohio State are one to three. Bama is six to five. Georgia and Florida two to one and three to one. Oklahoma at seven to two. A and M, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, Auburn uh, at seven to one. LSU is at ten to one. Michigan and Wisconsin twelve to one. What do you think of Nebraska's odds? They're kind of lumped in with Okie State, Central Florida, Minnesota, Miami at 25 to 1. That's not great, but it's not horrible. I mean, it's, it's not Arizona State, Iowa, or, or Florida State at 75 to 1. Uh, have you done a little research here, assuming we get college football, with, uh, with who you like? Or are you pretty much, even now it's just late June, are you still kind of chalk? At this point, I think it's hard not to be a little bit more chalky, Schmitty. And this is another sport, obviously, where you know we always look at the returning starters and what that mm-hmm. production is going to be. But you got to think this season even more so now than in the past because of these circumstances. Uh, with Nebraska twenty-five to one, not really too shocked. If anything, I would think they would be a little bit lower, to be honest, mm-hmm. because it seems like year after year. I mean, this happens. They get a lot of love for the public attention and just because of their history, but then people get mad and complain about it and be like, oh, they didn't live up to the hype. Well, it's like, well, because you're basing that off Vegas. So, I mean, that's one consideration. And then naturally they just get a lot of hype. But 
Um, some teams that I would look at to maybe take more of a longer shot on, uh, I know we talked about this a couple weeks back, Wisconsin would be a team I sure. would certainly look at. I think they're going to come out on top of the Big Ten West. I think even Penn State you could maybe take a sure. flyer on there. I know it's going to be tough to go through Ohio State, but I think they're a team prime for this opportunity. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts really quick. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Texas A&M this season? Because I've circled out Kellen Bond as a guy who could maybe be a Heisman hopeful. I mean, they had a brutal schedule last year. It's going to be a little bit easier this season, and this guy has all the talent in the world. Do you think that Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond can have a successful season? Absolutely. I mean, the one thing, you can say a lot of things about Jimbo Fisher, but he is... He has gotten high-level quarterback play, right, everywhere he's been or even as an assistant, right? I mean, he, that's his deal. He is, he is uh, a, a master at quarterback play. I don't know that guys uh, love the guy, per se, all the time, but he, he gets the results. I'm looking up uh, A&M's schedule right now. Mond is good. They have talent. They've had insane talent, but they've had like first round talent. And I'm thinking back to the Sherman era, all right, or even uh, the, uh, the the year that Sumlin went 11 and two. Listen, um, I I think that A and M's poised to probably win eight or nine games again. But they got to go to Auburn. They got to go to South Carolina. Uh, they got to go to Mississippi State. Those are all consecutive, and then they end with. Uh, they end with at Bama and they host LSU. <laughs> so Jimbo's going to be stuck in this purgatory of of eight and five, nine and four, and probably third in in the West. And and mm-hmm. that's going to be better than some of their Big Twelve disappointment years. But it's not going to be close to the magic year of my of, of Johnny Football, in my opinion. I don't I don't think they. That's just too difficult to navigate. There's no no off weeks for right. them in the West. And as far as the crossover, you know, Muschamp in South Carolina, I mean, he's got a win this year. Vandy's mm-hmm. Vandy's a joke. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. They got Colorado in the non-conference, and they have Oklahoma State in the non-conference. So, well, they did last year anyway. Daddy, uh, I would I would stay away from A&M. <laughs> Famous <laughs> last words, my friend. Thank you for, for jumping right. on. We'll uh, We'll get caught up next week. All right, bud? Hey, absolutely, Smitty. Thanks for having me on, as always. There he is, Pride of Chicago, on Visa and Danny Burke. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, we say hi to Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. SpasOnline.com. Deb, fresh off the tent sale. You got humidity cranking up this weekend. What a time for a spa and dial that temperature down. How you doing? That's right, Chris. And we are probably one of the very few dealers in the whole Midwest that actually have spas that we can deliver immediately. We were able to get two truckloads, and that's like gold these days. <laughs> so we got the two truckloads, and that has just been so fun because people are used to coming in and saying, hey, we can't get a tub till 16 weeks 
other mm-hmm. dealers are telling people. So we can get that have delivered right away. You can be enjoying it. You know, fill it up with some cold water and just soak in it and cool off. That's the way to do it. Deb, you've got a, a size and a style for everyone. And you've got the swim spa choice that may be a better option than, than jacking around with a pool. That's right. They have been very, very popular. Everybody's wanting to uh, look at those this year because of the pools and just being able to use them year-round instead of a pool. So uh, that's really the answer to that problem. So really, come in. We've got just uh, something for everybody. And the nice thing is you don't have to wait. You can actually get it right away. Deb, the spa lady is with us. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2. In Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, uh, let's let's circle a spa and tell folks about it and when they can come see you as well. I know we talked uh, swim spa last time. Maybe something a little smaller for uh, a person that wants to to sneak one in the backyard. Well, I would say we have uh, seven by seven foot spas. We have eight foot by eight foot spas. We have uh, models that have all seats. If you want to really get a lot of people in there, or you can do the lounge, the lay down with five seats. Mm. So there's different configurations uh, of both sizes. So come in and see what kind of size you're looking for, and then we'll pick out the one that fits your family. Deb, when can folks come see you? 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday. And our website is spasonline.com. That's the way to do it. Go find Deb. She's got, as she says, truckloads that are delivered. You don't have to wait. Uh, No waiting. They've got them in stock for you and pull the trigger now. Deb, you take care and thanks for a few minutes. Okay. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Deb the spa lady. Get that spa, man. My uh, cousin Jeremy up in Omaha was like, I need a spa. I want a spa. I'm like, we'll go see Deb. Take care of Deb will take care of you. And uh, that's the way to do it, man. Especially if you want to turn that temp down so it's just refreshing. Get a koozie, get a beer, and you're you're set to go. Damon, what do you got going tonight? Well, maybe I should go stop by uh, Home Innovations. I need to upgrade my eight-foot kiddie pool out in the backyard. And... See, the kiddie pool, yeah. I mean, who hasn't had a kiddie pool? But plug it in, get the jets going, pour margarita, and you're good. More, more, uh, more cat sitting or dog uh, sitting. <laughs> well, the, the dog is no longer at my house today, so there was a few accidents uh, all over. Um, yeah, that's been fun. That's been a, a fun time. No, I'm just going to go home, uh, have a nice uh, meal, enjoy a movie. You're going to have some rum, aren't you? I'm, I'm probably going to have some rum, let's be real. Just don't share with the dog next time and you won't have any accidents. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Hail Varsity back at you. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks.